Hey, everyone, this is Chris and Sandy Benton with the Chris and Sandy Show, where we get up close and personal with some amazing um, guests. And today, as always, we always bring a really awesome guests, sometimes artists, sometimes speakers, but they all have stories to tell. And the one today has a really great story. Um, it's got every emotion you can think of. It's sad. She's got a happy ending. She's got a powerful ending. But all through the, her story and her life, God is with her and has been with her, and she's going to show that, and I think you're going to be excited. So, Audra, are you here? I am. Hello. Good afternoon, everyone. <laughs> so how are you doing today? I am doing great. I feel like every day I wake up is a new opportunity to fulfill my God-ordained purpose. So I'm doing great. Every day is a great day, even if it's not a good day. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. And I think you're either 118th or 119th interview, and or I should say conversation, because I don't, I don't really want these to be – too much like an interview. I want them to feel like a conversation. Gotcha. Well, I am certainly honored to be here. To be at 118, that's phenomenal in <laughs> such a little bit of time that you accomplished that. So that is congratulations on your well, 118th show. <laughs> and thanks. And, and it's been really um, all God on this because we've interviewed people that we could only imagine in this short time, like I was for the show and stuff. And we, you know, and it, when all this whole virus happened, I told Sandy, I was like, you know, now's our time to shine. Because at that time, we were only doing artists, not speakers, too. And and one of the things with artists, a lot of artists are really busy. They're doing shows left and right. I knew when everything was shut down, I was like, you know what? They're going to be more open now. And in fact, we might even get bigger, a little bit bigger artists because they're going to be more open. They're going to be wanting to talk to people. <laughs> and so yeah. I was like, now is our time to shine. We need to step it up like we've never stepped it up before. Wow. And in fact, we've had weeks where we've done 11 interviews in one week. Wow. Phenomenal. Yeah, that was a great opportunity. You know, anytime adversity comes, sometimes we have to look at it with a different perspective. And it looks like you capitalized off of what seemed to be a hard time because, like you said, more people are open and ready to interview. So that's good. Yeah, most definitely. And I love this. I love this show. You know, we've learned so much. In fact, we'll probably eventually write a book on our first year as hosts of a show to talk about what mm-hmm. things that we've learned and stuff. I think that'll be really interesting because we've, we've heard some crazy stories. And of course, as you know, when it comes to artists, you're going to hear stories. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so as we get started here, tell everybody who you are, where you're from, and a brief maybe one or two-minute overview of of basically you. Who are you? You know? Hmm. Um, I originally was born and raised in Youngstown, Ohio, and uh, was born, I can. I don't mind saying my age, I was born in 1975. <laughs> so I was 71. Born, oh, okay, you got me by four years. So we, we right my in that wife same era. Oh, so she was the same year as my brother. My brother was 77. <laughs> so they're the same age. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I am, you know, I am, I live most of my life uh, dedicated to the call of God on my life. And I know we'll talk wow. about that later, but 
I lived most mm-hmm. of my life dedicated to the call. Um, I was called to preach the gospel in 1998. And because of the events that transpired in my life, I felt like I owed God my life. And so it really yeah. wasn't hard for me to make that transition. And so I am a full-time minister, business owner. Um, I own several businesses. Um, I give a lot of counsel, advice to people. And I do try to find time for myself. Um, I do like to wind down <laughs> and watch a, watch a movie. <laughs> I've learned mm-hmm. that if you don't take time for yourself, people will steal all your time. <laughs> and so <I laughs> That's do, true. <laughs> I do uh, wind down, watch a movie. Sometimes I like to get away and go to the beach. I love going on the water, just listen to the waves roar and just getting away and travel. I love to travel, especially internationally, because I like to learn about other cultures, other lifestyles, oh, yeah. and how mm-hmm. people I – think, I just think it's so amazing how people live on another side of the planet and live a life so different from what we live here in the state so yeah a little about who i am we got it we got it made here we got it made here compared to other countries yeah and i wish america now i've never visited another country but i've got friends that have and they bring pictures and they tell stories and sometimes i'm sitting there like wow you know (laughs) because we take america for granted <laughs> yes we do we really do we do the things we enjoy other people struggle with like just for just for an example electricity staying on all day mm-hmm. and all night that's a privilege in some other countries you know they don't get electricity they don't have access to it at all you know so we are spoiled here in this western world <laughs> we are very spoiled very <laughs> Yeah, one of the people we interviewed was said that on her she uh, on her very first mission trip with her church she went on. One of the little girls was asking her, um, "How do you go and fight for your food?" And she mm. didn't understand what she meant. She had explained wow. that oh they they don't always get to eat. They have, mm. they have to go kill it and all. Yeah, you know, they have to do you know. And so sometimes you're not going to find the prey and all that. And and sometimes right. it's just not enough for everybody in the family. Um, yeah. And she and she said, I remember her saying that she just bawled because that was the point. That was the pivotal point for her when she realized, wow, I mm-hmm. am privileged for being an American. Oh, yeah, yeah. We haven't fought for anything to eat, <laughs> so we are very privileged. We don't even know the feeling of that. So yeah, wow. That is phenomenal. And thank That's God we phenomenal. don't because, you know, hopefully we don't ever get that, have to do that, hopefully not. <laughs> you know? yeah. But, you know, as long as we can keep it together as a country, we won't have to worry about that, and we can always keep helping other countries then. So hopefully we mm-hmm. can stay like we are, but with a deeper sense of helping people. Gotcha. Exactly. And I think that, that because of how we live, it should move us to mm-hmm. levels of compassion. Levels of yeah. compassion, kindness, you know, to extend to someone who does not have as much. Definitely, because because I think sometimes people too here in America, like you know, we don't live a fancy lifestyle. We live in a mobile home right now because we're trying to do everything we can to build our brand, and mm-hmm. so we live a low, really low lifestyle. So a lot of people who would who live like us would say, well. I don't have much, and this other person has all this. They should give me that, and and they don't realize that even people that live like us is rich to the world. Right, right, exactly. 
That is so <laughs> Your true. poorest person in America is rich to the world. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So true. So true. <clears throat> you know, one of my questions was going to be, you know, what hobbies you like to do and all that, but you kind of already went there. I, I love it, though, when, when you're just in a con- – that's why I like a conversation is when you're in the conversation and it's going – and then they go, and then the guest kind of goes through some of your questions. It's like, a, it's good, but then you're like, okay, <laughs> check that one off. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. I interview as well. And it's like, oh, well, they answered that. Where am I going next? <laughs> yeah. I, re- I remember interviewing a couple people in the past, and they checked off half of my list. In the, in just the first five minutes to come, and I'm sitting there like, uh oh, I'm gonna have to just um, wing it now. <laughs> now you haven't, but but that, but I have, and, and you know what? That's one. That's what I like about our show is we, you know, we just have a conversation. We let God take it where it goes, where He feels it needs yeah. to go. Because so, sometimes for some person, it may be in a, a spot here. Like it could be focused on addictions and another person that could be over here, but it's always different because it's, we've interviewed so many different people and it's been amazing. Wow. Sounds like a good, a good roller coaster ride. <laughs> yep. So before the pivotal day in your life, tell us lead that leading up to that day before that happened, where was your life with God? How was you living? I mean, was you was you at that point living for God? You know, what 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 was your life like before that moment? Um, before that moment, I really just kind of went from day to day. I had the the full time mm-hmm. responsibility of taking care of my grandmother, who was a double amputee, so she did not have oh, wow. both of her legs. And then I was taking care of my son, who was really virtually still a baby. He was 20 months old. Mm-hmm. So my so my life every day was going to work. I, I actually worked like two and three jobs as a single mother. So I was a single mother oh, wow. taking care of my son and um, taking care of my grandmother, who was a diabetic. So my daily routine was get up in the morning, fix breakfast, get him dressed, mm-hmm. get myself dressed, bath. Uh, you know, go downstairs, make sure that if I was going to leave my grandmother's lunch out for the day, I would do that. And if I was not going to leave it out, I was planning to come back during the day for lunch. Mm-hmm. And then I would go drop him at the babysitter. I'd spend a couple hours at work, either come back and feed her, then go get my son, get off of work. Maybe I was a hairstylist at the time, so I may have a couple clients I had to do that day. So that was after work. This was my daily routine. Um, we were regular. We were regular churchgoers. Um, notice oh, yeah. I said church. Notice I said church. <laughs> Big <goers>. difference, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let me put a pin right there. I was an avid churchgoer. Um, I did mm-hmm. not have a relationship with God. I didn't. I I knew church. I didn't really know God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, you, we you were going through the regular- motions without being emotional. Right. Yes. Good point. No emotions. Just kind of, I was born and raised in the church. So I really didn't know what else. I tried to, you know, do the club scene. I never fit into that. Mm -hmm. Um, I tried to, you know, do certain lifestyles, but it just never was a fit. 
Um, and so yeah. I just was an avid churchgoer. I took my son because I knew he needed to be raised in church because I was raised in church, you know. So mm-hmm. we went to church every Sunday. My uncle at the time, who was my son's godfather, he was a pastor. So I was a, a person <clears throat> on the front lines. You know, I was a server. I was, you know, helping in the ministry, doing all kind of things. And at that time, my uncle's ministry was only about three to six months old at that time. So everything was oh, wow. all fresh and brand new you know, just doing mm-hmm. church. Um, and yeah. so that was pretty much, you know, my life, uh, going to oh, and wow. fro, not, didn't have a relationship. One thing I do want to add prior to that mm-hmm. day is um, I was actually one night, and now mind you, I said I was a churchgoer, but I didn't read the Bible outside of church. And so yeah. one night, I literally stayed up one night and read the whole book of Job from the beginning oh, wow. to the end. To the, from the beginning to the end. Can you imagine that? Never picked up the Bible, but for some reason, <laughs> I was just intrigued by the book of Job. I couldn't understand <laughs> why I sat there and read the whole thing. I just read the whole book of Job, not even understanding that it was going to be my life. And so that's it's uh, something some of the that you say that, that. Up to that point. It's something that you say that because I can remember. And one of the questions I will have after I say what I'm about to say. But one of the questions I do have, if you want to answer this one, and it's on you, um, but as you look back, were there any signs that you could point to that, you know what, maybe God was trying to warn you on something? Because we all get that warning sometimes. And the reason I'm asking that is is when we interviewed um, Tiffany Johnson, who lost her arm in a shark attack, we Mm -hmm. went went there talking about that, and she said that – just, I mean, it almost sounds like your story. It's kind of cool how this is lining up here, and I, I didn't expect this. Um, but mm-hmm. she, we, she told the story because I, I, I told part of my story where, um, when you read all through the Bible, always that every miracle happens before um, is preceded by some type of obedience from God, and that made her think about um, mm-hmm. that leading up to the shark attack day for her um, mm-hmm. that. She all of a sudden, like 2 a.m. one morning, she felt like she, she she woke up and she felt like God was telling her to um to read the Bible. And she's like, I know. It's like, and she's like, okay, if this feeling don't go away by, if I'm still awake in 30 minutes, I'll do it. <laughs> well, guess what? She was still awake 30 minutes now. God was, and, and so every morning, all of a sudden, it was like like clockwork she'd wake up so she's like okay i'm supposed to read the bible again and everything that she read had to do with the shark attack almost leading up to Mm -hmm. it and then the day of the shark attack she told me because i was asking her she said she goes it's it's crazy she goes but we were on the boat and we're going out about to go snorkeling and this other girl who's never been and i'm trying to console this girl like this is everything's going to be okay Uh, um, Mm -hmm. i've done this Many times, and the girl out the blue asked the boat, the driver of the boat, "Well, has there ever been shark attacks?" Hmm. And she, and she said, "I just thought to say, no, God, no, you ain't no, you ain't gonna get bit by no shark or anything. They're not." A, and she said there was a few things like that 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 was asked that's never that she's never heard asked, and she felt like, wow, God was kind of leading here, but yeah. she didn't listen. And so yeah. you kind of felt yeah. that too. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I almost said this prior to you mm-hmm. asking the question, so I'm glad I didn't. Yeah. You had to ask the question. <laughs> um, but I, <laughs> there you I, go. I, 
<laughs> I actually had, can you believe, I actually had three dreams about a fire. Oh, wow. Three. And, but every time I would dream the fire, I would dream it at my mother's house. And mm. one night, the dream was so intense, I picked up the phone and I called my mother, and this was like 2 a.m. in the morning. And I picked up the phone mm. and I called my mother and I said, are y'all okay? And she's like, yeah, we all here sleeping. What's wrong? And I said, I just dreamt it was a fire at your house. And she said, no, no we're all okay. And so God was trying to warn me through the dreams. Now, mind you, remember I said I didn't have a relationship with God. I wasn't yeah. prophetic. I wasn't prophetic. I wasn't someone who knew how to seek God or intercede. Yeah. I didn't have any of that lifestyle. So I didn't know to go and pray and say, God, what are you really trying to show me? I didn't know. Go ask someone yeah, to interpret exactly. his dreams. Yeah. So, yeah, he definitely because, Yeah, because, of course, me. I didn't want, you definitely. know, I wanted to be careful how I asked that because I didn't want people to think, feel guilty because, again, it's happened. Yeah. You got through it. In fact, God mm-hmm. blessed you through it, which is really awesome to know. Um, but, but I, you know, I just wanted to be careful how I asked that because, again, you know, even though it's been a long time, I know it's still got to be painful. But I want the pain to come out here because I want people to hear how great God still is. Labor Day. 
So I had cooked a huge dinner. Um, mm-hmm. You know, everything we fixed on the holidays, the ribs, the chicken, the macaroni and cheese, the greens, everything else. And so I cooked a big mm-hmm. dinner. We, we ate dinner. And that particular evening, the house got extremely hot. And mm-hmm. we couldn't understand why the house was so hot. Now, we lived up north, so air conditioning is not common up north. And so oh, we didn't wow. have air con- so we didn't have air conditioning. So we just couldn't understand why the house was so hot. And my mm-hmm. son, that particular night, my son kept crying and crying and crying and he wouldn't stop crying. And I was just like, "You're okay cuz remember again, I'm not spiritual." So I'm like, "You're okay, just sleepy. Go lay down. You're just sleepy." And finally he laid on my uncle's chest. But then he fell asleep, and he would wake up crying and screaming. And it was like I believe he knew that death was coming for him. And so wow. when I when I hear that cry on a baby, because I heard it on my son, I now know the cry of death because I heard it mm-hmm. on my son. And so we went to bed that night. Um, my grandmother slept downstairs <coughs> on a couch and mm-hmm. because that's where she chose to sleep. And Across from where she slept was a bed in our, uh, we had, the way the house was built, we had a, um, they call it a vestibule, but it's like a a small area as soon as you come in the door. And so we had put a bed there, Mm -hmm. but she refused to sleep on that bed. And as things transpired, now we know why. And so at any rate, we, we went to bed. I put, you know, put her, put her, gave her everything she needed before I went to bed and then I went upstairs, and my son slept in a toddler bed next to my bed. So I changed his diaper, mm. put him in put him in the bed, and then it was just still so hot in the house. And so we laid, I laid down without any clothes on because it was just that hot. And so the next thing, I fell asleep, and the next thing I recall was hearing my grandmother calling me while I was sleeping. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't something strange for her to call me because yeah. she did that. You know, if the ceiling fan was left on or you forgot to turn the light <laughs> off or something yeah. like that, she would call me. So I didn't even so think anything of it. Right. It was normal. So I just jumped up and went downstairs to see what she wanted. And as soon as I got to the bottom of the stairs, there was a fire that was just that just erupted out the middle of the floor. Wow. And so I'm looking at this fire, and I'm like, and and sometimes when I tell this story, Chris, it's so surreal mm-hmm. because it mm-hmm. it reminds me that this happened because God has healed me so much that sometimes I have to be reminded that this really happened, you know, in my life. Yeah. And um, she was like, "It's a fire, you know, put the fire out." And I'm like, my first <laughs> instinct was. No, Grandma, I'm not putting this out. We're going to get out the house. That was my first instinct. Yeah. And she was like, yeah. and she was just, and I, so I called 911 because where our house was, the fire department was not even a mile from our house, maybe like right at a mile. They weren't far from our house mm-hmm. at all. And so I called 911, and I'm explaining to them there's a fire that erupted in the house, excuse me, and this is what's going on. And so while I'm mm-hmm. trying to talk to them, my grandmother is in the background yelling at me to put the fire out. And so she's like, you know, put it out, put it out. So she's yelling at me, and then she got calm, and she said, it's not that big. You can put it out. And so because yeah. she reassured me, I listened to her. 
You know, of course, now mm-hmm. I regret that I listened wow. to her, but I listened to her. Um, and so I went and got, uh, we had these pans in the kitchen. I went and got the pans, and I started putting water on the fire, you know, trying to put it out, yeah. not knowing that the fire had erupted from within the walls. And we found out later that mm-hmm. that's why the house was so hot, because the fire had started brewing long before it actually exposed out of the, the walls. Oh, wow. And so I'm putting water on the fire, but the more water I put on it, the more it spreads. And Mm -hmm. the next thing you know, it's out of control. I probably ran back and forth maybe about four or five times trying to put it out. Mm -hmm. So at at this point, I'm panicking because I'm trying to put it out, but it won't go out. So I don't know what else to do. And so I'm like, well, let me go get help. So now I'm to the point where, now mind you, my son is still upstairs sleeping. So, you mm-hmm. know, he was he was away from the fire. And so I run outside. And now mind you, I told you I fell asleep with no clothes on, right? So when I run yeah. outside, I'm outside running around with my underclothes on. And so I'm outside, oh, wow. I'm yelling, I'm screaming. I'm, you know, our neighbors, they hear me outside. And so they're coming out their houses. Now this is like... And some things are just imprinted in my mind. And so uh, we had a And I'm glad you're a, telling this. That way people can know if they're in this same situation, some of the things uh, to not do and, and to do. So right. I'm really glad you're telling this like it is because this could save other people's lives. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And what really was the worst part is that I panicked. But then, you know, mm-hmm. there, were those, those, there were those moments that God showed me that even if I had gone upstairs and got my son, I might have gotten trapped up there, you know. So yeah. then we would have been jumping out of a window. And all you y'all. know what I mean? Right. And then all of us would have been gone. You know, so there was those things. And I don't want to get ahead um, because there were those moments that God just had to console me, you know, from being the only mm-hmm. survivor. And so oh, yeah. I'm out. I'm outside. I'm running around. Uh, the neighbors see me out there, so he gives me a sheet, and I'm I'm put the sheet on because I'm outside with no clothes on. And then people are stopping in their cars on the side of the road that are riding by, walking by, and I'm just running around and I'm screaming, "Oh my God, Jesus, please!" Now, mind you, I told you I wasn't really saved, but I'm calling on Jesus now. <laughs> So I'm saying, Jesus, please save my grandmother, my baby. God, please don't let them die in this house. And I'm just running around like a mad person because it's not registering what's really going on in the moment. Yeah. And so at that time, it was 98, so we were not in the age of the cell phone. And so I got on the neighbor's phone, and I called all my my family. I called everybody because, you know, at that Mm -hmm. time, you knew phone numbers. (laughs) So yeah. <laughs> I'm calling everybody, I'm, you know, telling them it's a fire going on down here. Y'all need to get here as soon as possible. And so next thing I know, you know, the fire department finally arrived like about maybe 10 to 15 minutes later. But I learned that the, the, the uh, station that was near our house, they were out on another call. So they couldn't get oh, wow. to us as fast because they were out. So we mm-hmm. had to wait for them to come from another side of town. So we later learned that. Mm-hmm. Um, But the next thing I know, you know, and when I tell this story, I always say, but God was there. And um, now I'm getting emotional. But God was there because Mm -hmm. I can remember 
um, you know, somebody came and put a, a dress on me. Mm-hmm. Well. Somebody put a dress on me. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's your. This is your story. This is, you know, I want this to also be a healing moment. Even though you've been healed, this is good. This is, you know, don't don't feel bad. I haven't cried about it in a long time, but I'm sorry. But I just think about how God was there. Yeah. And somebody put a dress on me, and then um, somebody else came up and was telling us about Jesus Christ. Oh, wow. And was ministering to us right there on the scene. Because at this point, the fire department, they've arrived, and... Mm-hmm. They started busting out windows, and in my mind, I was like, why are they busting out the windows? We still have to live here. You know, I'm still thinking that I'm going to yeah. go back. And You're not realizing it's everything. a total loss. Yeah, it's a loss. And um, so they they asked me, you know, where's my son? And they go in the house, and they go up and they get him, and they bring him down, and because of the heat, um, and the smoke, mm-hmm. um, half of his face was melted off when they brought him out. Wow. And they put him on the stretcher, and they put him in an ambulance. And so I was just like, well, he's going to be okay because, it, it, again, it's just nothing is registering. Yeah. And um, and so my grandmother, when they, they busted the door open because the fire happened at the front of the house, so they had to bust the door mm. down to get inside. And uh, mm. my grandmother was there, but she was gone, um, you know, when they wow. saw her. And so they mm-hmm. brought my son out. They put him in the stretcher. And my family, everybody's on the scene at this point. And so my cousin is, like, hanging on to the back of the uh, ambulance door. And so they see mm-hmm. him, and they're like, well, you know, you come inside and start talking to him maybe um, – you know, if he hears a familiar voice, maybe he'll wake up because they're hoping that he's yeah. not gone. And so we're just yelling at them, bring my grand, bring her out, bring her out. And they finally bring her out, and they're like, we have to call the coroner. And when they said mm. call the coroner, everybody just lost it. It was just That's like. That's hit you. Yeah. It was just like, Wow. And, you know, there are just things that just angered me from the media, Mm -hmm. you know, the media, uh, they brought her out and they laid her on the front porch and they covered her with a sheet and they, 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 they put her on the news like that. That angered me. Wow. Like, why would you put her body on the news like that? And then her sister, Mm -hmm. one of her sisters hadn't been told that this happened. So everybody knows our house. Because she'd been in mm-hmm. his house for over 40 years. So her sister sees her on TV like this and oh, no one wow. has told her yet. So it was just like at this point we realized that I realized there's nothing else here I can do. Let me at least get to my son. And so mm-hmm. one, of the church, one of the church members that was there, she actually took the shoes off of her feet and put them on mine. I mean, like this is just how wow. God was, was moving. 
And so we jump in her van, we go to the hospital, and when we get to the hospital, my cousin who rode in the ambulance is outside the hospital pacing back and forth. And so I'm going, I said, Dean, where's my baby? And he wouldn't answer me. I said, Dean, where's my baby? He still wouldn't answer. And I'm yelling and screaming at him, where is my baby? And he wouldn't answer. So I go inside. And they ask me, who am I? And they lead me back to this room. And when I get into the room, my aunt is already there. And she's just sitting there crying profusely. And the mm. doctor is sitting and the doctor's sitting there. And they ask me, you know, my aunt's like, this is his mother. So I sit down. The doctor said, you know, have a seat. And I sit down and he says, he didn't make, the baby didn't make it. He went in his sleep. Mm. And I was like, my baby is not dead. I'm going to get my baby. And I got mm-hmm. up to go I got up to go find my son and I just collapsed on the floor. Mm-hmm. And when I collapsed, the next thing I remember is waking up in a hospital bed with the oxygen on me and and everything. And <laughs> it was because of the smoke. I had inhaled mm-hmm. a lot of the smoke. Oh wow. Um, from running back and forth, and you know the whole anxiety of this whole thing just fell on me at once. And I just remember waking up in the bed, and all my family was coming in. You know, it was just it just was a devastating moment. And when my uncle came in, I just immediately started apologizing. I was like, I'm just so sorry that I did not get them out the house. I just mm-hmm. it just was just. I just don't even really still don't have the words for, you know, the moment of the loss. And, you know, of course, now I have a lot of questions, you know, for Mm -hmm. God. You know, I just. Because I imagine the blaming came in. Oh, God, yes. Lord, why am I still here? Why didn't I die in the fire? You know, why am I Mm -hmm. still alive? You know, Um, and not only blaming myself and my own guilt. Now I'm dealing with everybody else's emotions of, well, why didn't you save them? And, you know, then there were family members. So now they're blaming you. Right, right. So then there were family members who were angry at me for not saving my grandmother because a lot of my family who was distant, they didn't have a relationship with my son. So it's like Mm -hmm. to even point fingers at me and say, why didn't I save her? I had a loss too. Do you think I actually chose to lose either one of them or, you know, and honestly, mm-hmm. Chris, when I look back on where I was in that space of life, I had too much responsibility. I just, yeah. I was, I was handling more than I should have been handling, you know, wow. and that's just the, the, the transparent that's maturity to it. understand that. Yeah, yeah, because honestly, and I can be honest and transparent and say that my grandmother really should have been in a nursing facility. That's who should Mm -hmm. have been taking care of her. But my father had just passed like a year and a half prior to this happening. And before my father Mm -hmm. died, he said he did not want her in a nursing home. Now, mind you, he put all this weight on me because I was the oldest child. So he put all this weight on me that he didn't want her in a nursing home. And so I was keeping my dad's wishes, you know, dad didn't want her in a nursing home. So I'm going to move in and I'm going to do whatever it takes, you know, to, to make sure that she stays in her own home, you know? So, wow. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so you were just trying to, like the Bible says, honor your father. Right. Right. Exactly. You were just, exactly. you know, you were just honoring us and saying, you know what, I've, I've got to do this. You know, this is for God and everything. Not, re- not realizing with your young self, there's the, you know, right. like I think even on doc, I think on Doctor Phil that he always talks about that the human brain is not grow, grow done growing to it like age 25. Mm. So here you are. Still in a growing phase, not right. just spiritually, but even right. even physically, because that's because mm-hmm. from what I understand is your brain don't quit growing until about twenty five years old. So you right. so you haven't a fully developed brain yet, and all mm-hmm. this responsibility is on you. And then that's mm-hmm. when the guilt comes because now you couldn't handle something that you shouldn't have been able to handle anyway. Right, exactly. You said it exactly right. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it, when I, again, you know, I've just, it's been so much waves of maturity, mm-hmm. so many waves of healing, um, so mm-hmm. many, I had to forgive myself, you know, I had to. When did I that start? Started when I moved to Jacksonville. Um, I moved to Jacksonville, so, so, Florida. So let's talk about that. What made, you know, as, as you're sitting there trying to pick up the pieces, did, mm-hmm. did you have family in Jacksonville? What made that move? What, what was that ideal behind well, let me start off saying when I really got saved. <laughs> let me start okay. there because, <laughs> okay. because after this happened, if you don't get saved after this, <laughs> nothing wrong with you, okay? Yeah. <laughs> so it was, and I'm going to share this real brief and then talk about Jacksonville, but after the fire, I started asking mm-hmm. God, why was I still here? And yeah. Um, it was it was at this point where I wanted the relationship now. You know, I wanted to get to know mm-hmm. God for myself. I wanted more than church, you know. Yeah. And I was home, and I was actually at that time, I stayed with my mom for a little while, then I stayed with my uncle. And I would stay with my uncle, and I would hear him in his room praying. And I'd be like, I want to mm-hmm. be praying like that too. <laughs> you know, I want to <laughs> be over here doing the same thing, you know. Yeah. I never forget. I was in. I I just started talking to the Lord and reading my Bible, and I was like, Lord, I don't know if I ever confessed Jesus Christ, but today, and it was had to be around October. And I didn't realize it was a mm-hmm. significant day because I thought going mm-hmm. to church meant something. You know, I didn't realize yeah. that I needed more. And I yeah. said, I don't know if I ever confessed Jesus Christ as my personal savior, but today I confess. I repent. I prayed the sinner's prayer, and I got saved in my bedroom. And oh, wow. it was through starting to get that relationship with God that I realized that, you know, and I asked him, why am I still here? And he said to preach my word. That's when he told me my purpose <laughs> of still being here. He said, I kept you here to preach my word. And it was through developing a relationship with God and getting to that point of saying, you know what, I'm here, but I just knew nothing was changing for me staying in that same environment that I was in. Mm -hmm. And um, I visited a cousin in Jacksonville, Florida. That's where she lived. And Mm -hmm. I visited for for that Christmas. And I decided I didn't want to go back. And I really just kind of showed up on her doorstep. I was only supposed to stay a week. <laughs> and, and Jacksonville is one like, of them cities you don't want to leave anyway. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I liked it. I, it was a change. I needed something different. And 
I thank mm-hmm. God for her because it was because of her, and I still honor and respect her to this day for allowing me to stay. Mm-hmm. And it was because of her saying, yes, you can stay. At first she said no because some other people were living there and it really was no room for me. But she understood that I needed to get away from all of that, you know. And yeah. so she let me stay. And I just started, you know, building my life there. I, I joined a church, mm-hmm. Household of Faith. I give so much oh, honor wow. and esteem to Pastor Lewis Williams and Dr. Bernadette Williams. Um, I joined mm-hmm. the church. Uh, God, when I went there, God told me it was my home. And I joined the yeah. church and started, you know, serving, being a leader. And it was through getting counseling with her that I started to uh, close those doors on all the pain mm-hmm. and wow. all the guilt. And, you know, she walked me through a lot of things that I was just like every year it was depression around September 7th. Mm-hmm. It was just a depressing day and his birthday and mm-hmm. you know the holidays. It was just every year. I just got tired of rehearsing that same pain every year. And yeah. um, she, she started counseling me and I shared with her one of the dreams that I had. And one of the dreams, mm-hmm. um, my grandmother was, uh, we had moved her out the house. And she was living in an apartment, and she was in her chair, so she still didn't have the ability to walk. And she was in her chair, and she was just doing things, and she wasn't mm-hmm. even acknowledging what ha- what happened. Because, in my, you know, in a dream, you still have all your faculties. You're still thinking about yeah. the reality, the truth of what happened. So all of this is I'm standing there, I'm looking at her, and I'm like, she's not angry at me. I was like, she's not even bringing up what happened. She's not even talking about the fire, you know, and she just was carrying on like nothing happened. And I didn't understand what the dream meant. And when I shared the dream with her, she said, your grandmother never held anything against you. You got to forgive yourself. And that was like a releasing moment for me to just, you know, let all that guilt go because I had been carrying it, you know, for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so Jacksonville was just, it was a place of healing for me. And it was a place of restoration. Mm -hmm. It was a place that God took my life in the direction that, you know, he wanted for my destiny. Really awesome. So as you're down there in Jacksonville, what was the first business you launched and why? I mean, what, what, what started all of this? Was it the IBG publications or did you start something before that? I mean, what's, what started your whole change within the business world? It actually wasn't IBG at that time. <laughs> mm. um, I I was, uh, I am, I don't say was, but I don't bake like <laughs> I did then. But um, I always bake the best cakes, Chris. My cakes are so good. <laughs> um, and I, I uh, learned a couple recipes from my mom and started baking cakes. And most of the time, if I expand anything in business, it's because it's a demand. People are asking me for mm-hmm. it. And people yeah. started asking me for wedding cakes, and I didn't know nothing about a wedding cake. And so mm-hmm. I just took a couple classes, started decorating, perfect huh. my recipe for my frosting, you know, and just started doing things like that. And my first business I launched was actually called Dee's Treatery, which was a bakery <laughs> and catering company. And I was oh, wow. doing that with my mom. My mom had actually eventually moved to Jacksonville with me. 
her <laughs> and my brother and my sister had all we had all lived were living together at one time. Excuse me, and that's what we did. It, was, it started to be like kind of like a family business. We did a couple <laughs> catering events. Um, I start. I did eventually learn how to do wedding cakes and. You know, I was doing that for so many years, and I mm-hmm. realized that it was not really my purpose. Because remember, I told you, God mm-hmm. told me to preach His word. That's why He kept me here. He didn't kept me here to bake cakes. He yeah. kept me to preach the word. You weren't doing your and, calling; you were just doing your business. Right, right, exactly. And I actually got a prophetic word from someone, and they said I was doing my business, the cakes and everything. And they said to me, they said the Lord said that what you're desiring to do is great and you can do that in another season, but he wants you to do your ministry. Your ministry has to come first. And I got angry at God. I was like, are you serious? I was like, I don't have any money coming in. This is my livelihood. What am I supposed to do? Like I got angry at God for like a few years, honestly. Oh, wow. But, you know, we know that the will of God prevails, and um, uh, years later, I did launch IBG, which is more into my mm-hmm. purpose, but God's still evolving mm-hmm. me because I still have a biblical institute that I'm going to launch soon, and, you know, things mm-hmm. are still still constantly evolving, um, but, yeah, that's how I got into business, and that was my start, and then... Um, you know, IBG came from me launching my first book, which is my testimony. It's called Through the Fire. Oh, wow. Um, and so mm-hmm. I put my first book out in 2009. And once I put it out, I self-published. And then everybody started asking yeah. me, can you help me to do my book? And it just kind of, <laughs> you know, IBG just kind of evolved Snowball from, from there. there. Yeah, yeah. And, and I can get to I can get you about the whole um, thing the whole um, being angry at God a little bit and questioning because, you know, even though we weren't making no money with the whole new country buzz idea, uh, Mm -hmm. we still felt like, I mean, I had all these ideals built around new country buzz and I was going to do new country clothing, new, Mm -hmm. um, new country, everything was new country. I I had all these plans. Even Mm -hmm. now, even though God told me years ago that our purpose was within marriage ministry type stuff, Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. writing and speaking eventually, and um, well, we uh, took so many de- detours through the years, and then it seemed like all of a sudden this new country buzz idea was just taking off. And again, like I said, we weren't making money with it, but we knew that the brand was being built. And sometimes yeah. money comes later. Later, when you build, when right. you build the brand, sometimes it's years later before you right. see a dime. <laughs> right. And so we were just exactly. trying to build a brand. And then in the last year, I remember um, telling Sandy, you know. I think it's time to go to the next level, launch this little show um, Mm -hmm. called The Chris and Sandy Show. And she was like questioning, why would we name it our name? Nobody knows who we are. And I'm like, well, (laughs) it worked for Bobby Bones. It worked for Ty Bentley. Mm -hmm. And most of the big shows, the people who made it big, it's usually named after them. I mean, the very few shows make it big like, like The View and stuff. Which they, I mean, right. how would you name it after them? Because there's five of them, you know. Right. <laughs> you know? But exactly. for the most part, usually named after the people. So I was like, well, we'll do the Chris and Sandy show, and we'll just interview up and coming country artists. That was, and I, I was content. I really thought that this was what God wanted us to do. Because I was like, because my my whole my whole dream was to speak. I always thought I had this platform one day to speak on stage, tell ours, tell story, our story, our life story, and all that. And I always, that was my dream. 
Sandy's dream was to be somehow in music. So I thought, well, God found a way for us <laughs> to still, I still get to speak, even though it's not the way I thought. Right. I still get to speak right. through the, mm-hmm. through the um, show and we're in music. It's all perfect. This, this is where God wants us. And I got yeah. so deep in that. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden, just recently, I was like, you know, um, I was scrolling through the Facebook, and it was June 2nd. <clears throat> I was, um, like I told you earlier, at the Tiffany Johnson, I was, it, June 2nd was the three-year anniversary of her shark attack, and she was telling that story. Mm-hmm. And, and wow. I just felt so convicted of that. I was like, I was like, oh, my God, there's no way God's not with her. You cannot, you know, she, with the way right. she was telling, she's got to, got, I don't know why, I just like, She's got to come on my show. I mean, we're, we're an artist mm-hmm. show. We weren't, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, but just out the blue, I, I got to get her on my show. So yeah. I booked her for this past Tuesday. And then mm-hmm. as Sandy and I are talking, I talked to other people, and I'm sitting there like, because I started looking back. And I noticed, and I remembered a friend of mine, Matt, told me um, about two, three months ago, it was probably a couple months into our show, because <clears throat> he knows where God's supposed to be leading us eventually mm-hmm. and he believes he always believed that the show was to build our foundation to get people's respect and then right. God can then bring us out where we're supposed to be so he mm-hmm. asked me three about three months ago he said uh, and I can remember exactly where it was I was sitting outside at Buffalo Wild Wing because, and Sandy was inside because we do DoorDash at, in the evenings to help pay the bills right now so she's mm-hmm. inside getting that and we're on the phone and he asked me he says what if he says, I'm not saying your show won't, won't always have artists. He said, but what if God pivots your show to where it's more than music? Are you mm. willing to go there? And at that wow. time, I'm like, well, of course I am. You know, yeah, because I'm like, of course, you know, I'm not thinking it's going to go there, right? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> of course I will. <laughs> so I remember, and then, and then also, and then on top of that, I remember, I remembered a friend of mine, Terry who tried to pitch me an idea that I should, he said, with your platform, you should interview authors. He says, you don't have to, to give up your music side. He said, he said, some of these I'm connected to, they got all kinds of stories. He said, I can get, as I got connected to 2000 authors. If you need anybody. And yeah. again, I'm looking back on this after I booked Tiffany and I'm like, Oh my God, the signs were there that he was about to pivot this show. Yeah. Yeah, and I had no idea. You know, he, he was letting me know without letting me know that your right. show is about to make a change, and that's a dilemma. I mean, we watched a movie today called um, Grace Unplugged, and it was about a a person who wanted that pop lifestyle, but she'd been raised in a Christian family, and her dad mm-hmm. was a singer years ago. He had he was like one of them one hit wonders, and he tried to keep her down because he didn't want her to see that lifestyle. But mm. as an you know, as an eighteen year old, what what are you gonna do? <laughs> and she right. left right. because she got offered mm-hmm. a deal and all that. And but she seen the bad side of it, and she you know, Uh-oh. and she eventually came back, and she really had this struggle between God, between what God wants and between what she wants. And I'm sitting there watching that movie, and I'm like, oh my God, that's where I am right now. I have been battling this transition. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like I am letting artists down by going this way. But yet at the same time, this is where we're supposed to go. I have no doubt. Mm, <laughs> if wow. that makes any sense. Wow. You know? mm-hmm. So I've been battling this. And that show, and that's what made me write the thing earlier about the wow. what I've been going through earlier. That 
watching that movie because it really inspired me. And I was like, you know what? I think that's God saying, you're on the right track. Just keep going. <laughs> wow. You know what I like to say? I think that because God knows that everything links to our purpose, even if we do something that's not necessarily his perfect will and desire, he'll allow us to mm-hmm. do it because it's shifting us to where he wants us to go. So we exactly. may think we're just doing it, you know, <laughs> even if it's something we love to do. You know, there are things we do, mm-hmm. we love to do them, but it's because it's just all a part of the plan of where he's trying exactly. to get us. Exactly, the to. master plan. Where, yeah, and and yes. I really feel like that's what happened here. Because again, I I think he allowed us to go this way. And my friend, like I said, my friend was telling me we were talking recently. He says I truly believe that because he says before the whole country music idea of new country buzz and then the show started out with music artists. He goes because you jump from so many different things, nobody respected. He said if God would have lifted you out of that, most people would have never listened. He says mm. because you've done so much in such a short time. You've gotten mm-hmm. everybody's attention. He says, he, right. goes, he says nobody interviews a, a hundred and almost twenty people right. in five months. No, he says nobody <laughs> exactly. does that. Right. <laughs> right. You know, so he said all of a sudden you're getting respect that you've never gotten, and then the type of people you're having on your show, you're getting all this. He says God's been setting this up for you. You don't even know it. Hmm. Wow. For this transition. <laughs> Phenomenal. And here we are, and you're our second. Now, I, I guess technically you're kind of our third in this because back in East, again, here's another sign. When I look back, um, we, it was on um, the week of Easter, and I rem- and we were really just getting into it. I mean, I was interviewing every day, and I didn't want to get yeah. out of that. Cause, you know, when you get in that kind of rhythm and you take a couple of days mm-hmm. off, you almost lose it sometimes. I was in a rhythm. Yeah. I was in a zone. Yeah. And I was like, but yeah. I can't interview an artist on Easter, that would be tacky, I thought, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I like how, how would I ask an artist, you know, to interview, and I was like, and then I remembered there was one person that um, our pastor here in Savannah, um, or one of our pastors, Matt Hearn, he's been going through, he went through three um, years, or, about, or three times of cancer in the past year and a half, he's the main pastor wow. at Gateway Church Puller, and he's got a crazy story, and he, and when we're at church, he's been the only one in Savannah that's ever done this. But we were at church one one Sunday morning, and he came up to us and he said, Chris and Sandy, I want you all to know I am proud of what you all are doing with your show. He didn't say I'm proud of you. Mm-hmm. He, he specifically said our show. Nobody's ever done that. They, wow, you know they have you know which shows that he respects what we were trying to accomplish from the show because I mm-hmm. talk to him about it and all every time we go to church and I tell him well this has happened and this is happening you know so I'd always tell him and I re- and I was like man you know what can I do for Easter and I was like you know what he would be a great interview because mm-hmm. of his story and yeah. I reached out private me- I, I sent him a message and I since he respected us like that's like well he'd probably say yes so I reached out to him and told him my idea for Easter. He's mm-hmm. like, you got it. Let's do it. So he came. Wow. So he was kind of the first outside of music person oh, okay. that he brought on as our pastor, so, and oh, it, wow. it went really awesome. And and again, so again, that's kind of another sign that we were going to make a transition. I just didn't see it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Phenomenal. <laughs> wow. So 
when you look back now at everything you've done, what are you the most proud of, and how do you see God in everything that you've done? You've done a lot of things now within the business world and ministry world. So tie all this together now as we start to close this. I, you know, I just get so full of, you know, the goodness of God. Sometimes it it does really truly become hard to articulate. Um, But when Mm -hmm. I look at everything I've done and everything, again, I just feel like it's all been a part of the pieces of my puzzle. And everything that he's prepared me for in ministry, because I feel like, you know, number one, the Bible says that if we do honor, and you said this earlier about Mm -hmm. me honoring my dad's wishes, when we honor our Mm -hmm. parents, we, the Bible gives a promise that we will live a long time. And so I don't have no doubt that my life is not over anytime soon. I just, (laughs) I just know I'm going to live a long time because I've honored my father, my mother, my grandmother. So it's a guarantee I'm going to live long. Um, However, I just, I feel like I'm really just getting started. Now it's been over 20 years since the fire, but I feel like I'm really just getting, because all of it in that space of time, and God has Mm -hmm. to really kind of remind me about this, is that (laughs) we know that God we could know God has purposed us for something great, but we miss the preparation mm-hmm. piece. And so these last yeah. 20-something years have been my preparation preparing. period. How, how long did yeah. Moses sit on the backside of the mountain oh, God. before? <laughs> <A> lot, uh. <laughs> you know what I mean? So God has but to remind Jesus me. prepared 30 years before his ministry, remember? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so how do you think you're just going to jump out and do some great thing and you didn't spend enough time being prepared for it. So even in my now yeah. season, uh, and I can mm-hmm. share this across the show, I do plan to relocate to Africa because God has specifically oh, wow. called, me, called me to the continent of Africa. I, I believe I know exactly where I'm going, but I'm still not 100% sure. But I know that yeah. he's already given me confirming word that my ministry is to Africa. So I know that. Yeah. But what I had to learn how to do, because sometimes we can be what I call dangerously prophetic. And when I say dangerously yeah. prophetic, I mean you could know God is telling you something, and then you jump out and do it because prophetically you know uh-huh. you're supposed to do it, but you put yourself was it, in Wasn't danger. it Moses that did that too? Right, struck the rock. He, wait, how does how scripture go with the rock? He told him to speak to it, but he struck it. So you can know God is telling you to do a thing, but you could go do it all wrong because you know prophetically you're supposed to do it. And so I feel like I'm just getting started. I feel like my ministry mm-hmm. is really just getting ready to be birthed or to be taken off mm-hmm. or, you know, even when it comes to my business, because I've learned yeah. a lot of things over the course of the last couple of years. And so when I pull everything mm-hmm. together, he's just been preparing me for the next mm-hmm. level. And even in this season, I'm still feeling like there's still so many things I still have yet to do to really operate in a spirit of excellence that God requires for the kingdom. Those who work for the kingdom, God requires a certain mm-hmm. level of excellence from us. And yeah. so when we are not operating at that level, he'll let you do things like new country buzz. He'll let me do things mm-hmm. like these treatery. He'll let you do those things because it's ultimately preparing you for this true stage that he has set. Mm-hmm. 
because if you don't you know, it's do funny, those you, things, you're not prepared. It's, yeah, it's funny that you're talking about the preparedness because he, you know, when we look back 2010, when, when God gave us the name Inspired Marriage in 2010, but mm-hmm. He actually gave me the. I remember on December 26, 2007, I time that I got drunk on a Christmas day. And I went through 19 years of addictions, and first, and until um, 12 years ago, um, basically December 26, 2007, I woke up convicted, like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. And I told, I was pleading with God, you have to mm. heal me. You know, either wow. take this desire away, or I'm taking mm. my life. I mean, I was there because I was destroying my marriage, and she didn't deserve that, and I knew this, but I couldn't do it on my own. <laughs> And I felt like I yeah. couldn't do it through like an AA type thing. You know, I, I can't be one of these people that have to that think about it every day and still not do it. I can't do that. Yeah. So you've got to take yeah. that desire away. And I remember mm-hmm. him telling me um, that um, he, he's, I felt like he said, give me 30 days and I'll heal you. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there thinking at that time, oh, my God, I'm hearing things now. Uh, there, there's no way. Because what, what, he's God. Why would he need 30 days right. to do this? Right. He's God. Right. See, I didn't know right. then what I know now that every that every miracle in the Bible mm-hmm. was preceded by some form of obedience. Yes, yes. This is my yes. my obedience was you stay sober for thirty days and I will heal you the rest of your life. That was my right. obedience part. I was wow. like, I can do this. And mm-hmm. I remember the twenty eight and and and, and he, not, not only did he say that, he also said, and your marriage is going to be example for others down the road. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, yeah that, that ain't happening. I knew that would never happen, that, that, they, that he has some form of ministry for, for our marriage. Yeah, that, you know, I, I wanted to believe that I was healed, but I was never going to believe mm. that. Uh-uh, I don't put it in a ditch so far. You know, <laughs> she put up with so much, there's no healing there. And I remember about a couple years in, I'm healed now with, from all this. And I knew, you know, we started back at church finally and all that. And, and then we, I sat Sandy down. I remember telling her that, okay, and I felt like she needed this because God used me, used her to heal me. It was my turn to allow God to use me to heal her. So I sat her down and said, okay, those first five years of our marriage, mm-hmm. I'm ready to hear it. Tell me everything mm-hmm. I did, everything mm-hmm. you felt, how you felt. I was like, you need to just, just tell me everything. And she, yeah. and I guess this should have been a sign. She was like, um, are you sure? I think <laughs> I won't say a word. She goes, are you sure? And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, now I'm getting worried. <laughs> and I, <laughs> you know, I was like, but, but I knew she needed this for her healing. If right, we were going to have right. any chance of our marriage working out. And I, and she started in about the different things. In my, and I'm like, I did what? No, mm. I did what? <laughs> and, and, and then I'm like, and you're still here, you know? <laughs> and, and we're going through all this. And and about 30, 40, 50 minutes in, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, oh, God, I then released a monster here. I'm thinking, in my head, I'm thinking this. I wouldn't tell her that because then she'd quit, and, and then it just, I would destroy this healing. And, but in my head, I'm like, oh, my God, what have I done? But she mm-hmm. let it all out, and that was the moment that yeah. our – our marriage came back together the way it should have, and we've been strong ever since. And I, and and that wow. and also that same years when you know then we launched a little thing called ninety day marriage challenge that we did, and then mm-hmm. a year or so after he gave us the name Inspired Marriage, 
Wow. And I gave up on that for a while. I even let the domain go, and somebody bought it. Mm. And and then a couple years ago, I was just fiddling through GoDaddy, and I looked up, and I, oh, it's available, and I so I re relocked it in, rebuilt mm-hmm. the site, but it's still yep. in the back of my. It's still I keep pushing the side. I keep pushing the whole idea aside, and our book, we're telling our story and all that. Keep pushing that aside, and I really, but still, everything we've done has been like you said, has been preparing us for this mm-hmm. very. Mo- I mean, like in 2018, I spoke eight or nine times on stage, smaller smaller stages, mm-hmm. but that's fine. I still got to tell yeah. our marriage addiction story eight or nine times, and I thought, okay, this is it. He's opening the doors. I'm ready to just dive all in, and then it dried up. At the same wow. time, we were launching New Country Buzz. So mm-hmm. I don't know if he needed me to go this other way so he could build that foundation to, so that we can come back to that, or if mentally I went this other way and God's like, okay, I'll dry it up for you until you're ready again. <laughs> either way, either way. I and those eight places, they all came like one of the one of the places I got to speak. Now this was on a podcast, not necessarily a stage on this one, but I wrote an article called um, "Reckless Love in Marriage," and it was based on the that song "Reckless Love." And I was talking about how in marriage you kind of got to have that kind of reckless love if you're ever going to have an awesome marriage. Right. For and right. and um and one of my friends who are my friend now, he he was doing a show, um. A, mar- a marriage show on reckless love, and he put in mm-hmm. Google reckless love, looking at different resources, and found my article. So he wanted me on his podcast for this particular mm-hmm. show. So, okay. you know, so again, that was one one of the things where. But but that year, every stage I got on, I didn't ask for it. It came, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden what? it dried up. And like I said, I still don't know if it dried up because God's still trying to prepare me. Or if I left it because of New Country Buzz, and he said, okay, I'll dry it up now until you're ready. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> But here right. we are. And now all of a sudden things are lining up. We've got a foundation built with the show now. Now we're making mm-hmm. a transition. And I really feel like now we're going to be getting into the speaker circuit, people, and that could open doors for us telling our story. Right, exactly. And it does open doors. You know, having your own show and your own platform, because one thing that I have learned is that it does give people a different level of respect because it does show consistency. Mm -hmm. It shows, you know, perseverance. It shows your quality or your character, you know, when you are doing something and people can see that, you know, it's notable. and, And so it does open doors. It does. Yeah. And, and, you know, my little boy is going to kill me if I don't do this. So I'm going to get him. He always likes to ask one question to each of our guests. So <laughs> okay. Then he's going to – because on over 100 shows he's been on, and, we're, we're again, we're raising him to think outside right. the box too here. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> I'd love to hear from little Chris. Yes, I, here he is. I paid Christopher on now. Hi, Audrey. What's your favorite food? Hi, Chris. How are you? Do you get Oh, he said, what's my favorite food? Yeah. <laughs> my favorite food? He, he, he always says hi and the question fast. <laughs> yeah, he did say it fast. I had to play it back in my mind. My favorite food, little, <laughs> my favorite food, little Chris, is pizza. Ooh. 
What's yours, Lucas? Yeah. Pizza. <laughs> Why did I know that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he loves pizza. If you give me pizza, it has uh, to be vegan pizza. <laughs> <laughs> He, he comes and goes quick, but he loves that part. And you know, I've always been taught through. My, I've always been taught through my life that if you know, if you want to inspire passion and purpose into your kids, they have a front row seat to yours. So if you okay. if they see you living out yours, then they will live out theirs. Mhm, mhm. Yes, yes. That's good. That's good. Wow. So as we come to a close here if you have any final thoughts and then you can tell people how they can reach you if they want to but also any final thoughts as we close um the only final thoughts i would have i always like to leave people with a word of encouragement and so Mm -hmm. i just encourage um those who are not i always like to say sitting on the fence of whether or not you should fulfill your purpose um i need you to come off the fence (laughs) And fulfill your God-ordained purpose. And so, you know, people think that, you know, well, because of what you've been through, it's easy. It's not easy to do what God has called you to, no matter what he has called you to, you know. And so I encourage whoever needs to hear it, God has called you, he's ordained you, and he's purposed you to answer that call. And so I just encourage you to do what God has called you to do. And um, as far as where people can reach me, they can reach me on my website. It's ibgpublications.com. They can go there, check out some of the things that I do. I do assist authors with getting published. We have all kind of good uh, free products available for those on a low budget. Um, We do also have a uh, personalized school called the IBG Development School. You can find that from the website, or you can visit ibgdevelopmentschool.thinkethic.com. So you can always visit the website. Uh, We do have a free course available for authors, as well as personal life development (laughs) courses and other areas. And so that's how they can reach me. And on all social platforms, we are IBG Publications on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. So you can always go subscribe to our YouTube channel, check out our weekly mm-hmm. broadcast, and that's how they can find me online. That is awesome. And, you know, we enjoyed you telling your story on the show, and we definitely look Thank forward for to having. seeing where you go from here. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And, and we look forward to you one day you coming back on and sharing what's happened since the show. <laughs> Absolutely. Sounds good. I may be in Africa uh, by then. <laughs> there we go. The great thing great thing about technology, you can do it anywhere. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well we we enjoyed it and we will talk to you soon. All right. Have a wonderful day. You too. Bye. All right. Bye bye.